Well, it's great. It's great to be with you guys. And this is a special treat for me to be back in Loudoun, a place with people that we love and care for, and uh, uh, just an area that means a lot for us. So let me start by, of course, telling stories, because that's, that's what I generally like to do. And I have to say, Pastor John, I'm actually filling in today also. You were supposed to hear from the other, almost Dr. Bollinger, and uh, she had a load this week with her doctoral dissertation, which if anybody's ever gone through that, when she said to me earlier this week, would you mind filling in for me on Sunday? I said, of course, because I've been there. So like you're filling in also, I'm, I feel like I'm filling in. Someday you'll have her back and, and she'll speak to you much better than I. All right, when I was a young teenager, the youth group at our church had decided to go apple picking. Is that an activity that sometimes you might do from this church? We drove out to the countryside. I don't even remember where it was at this point. But there was an apple farm that would let you go out into the field and pick your own apples from the tree. And I love apples. They're one of my favorite. I like apple pie. I like all kinds of apple things. Uh, Who doesn't like a good apple? And in these trees on this farm, they were spectacular. They grew beautiful, delicious apples. They were not like the ones at my grandfather's house that were shriveled and rotten when we went to visit him in Pennsylvania. I remember my cousin took a bite out of the apple from that tree and uh, only to discover there were worms inside. So no, these apples were healthy and they were ripe. That day, before I left the farm, I convinced a couple of my friends that it would be funny if we all climbed one tree and we took a bite out of every apple on that tree and left it hanging in the tree. So we went to work. Some climbing branches, others on each other's shoulders. And we started taking bites out of each of the apples on the tree. Just one large bite. And we'd leave it there hanging in the tree. We thought that was so funny. I'm not sure that the people that worked at the apple tree farm thought that was very funny. Uh, It's not easy to get all the fruits still hanging on the tree, but it was delicious. And I I imagine, even today, I still feel a little bit guilty. If I could remember where that was, I might go back and compensate them for an entire tree worth of apples. Well, today we're going to explore a little bit of scripture in John chapter 15, where Jesus uses a beautiful allegory about us, the branches, staying connected to the Jesus, the vine, and bearing good fruit. I love the story, uh, and all throughout the book of John. John is my favorite gospel. John uses beautiful language. It is both simple but deep. And he tells the story of Jesus. He writes the book late in his life. And I imagine to him, these are stories he's told a thousand times before. 
like the traveling evangelist who has the luxury to shape his sermon every time he preaches it, leaving out parts that didn't work and interjecting explanations to places where people had questions and giving feedback for people who don't understand the Gospel of John. In chapters 1 through 6, Jesus is acquiring tremendous admiration. People begin to follow him. He performs miracles. And uh, they are making him famous. A huge crowd begins to follow him where he goes. I mean, the miracles, turning water into wine, healing the sick, the feeding of the 5,000. He was gaining extreme popularity by providing signs and wonders. Then uh, he begins to squander his popularity. He apparently didn't know how to be a good politician and take advantage of the momentum that he had. Because he's not stepping into their version of the Messiah that they had all been waiting for. The one that will rise up and uh, against the Roman Empire and set them free politically. And from chapter 6 forward, his ministry is set with opposition. The loss of the crowds, the jealousy and anger of religious leaders. And by chapter 12, Jesus is becoming very unpopular. He offends the religious leaders because he claims uh, his own divinity. In part because of his I am statements. And the religious leaders of that day would understand that when Jesus used an I am statement, he was referring to himself as the divine because they would see it as God declared himself the I am. By the time we get to chapters 14, 15, 16, 17, if you have a red letter edition of the Bible, uh, it is full. John quits telling his stories. And he's basically just repeating the words of Jesus. So that red letter edition is all red in this section. And this is the time of the Last Supper and the arrest and violent persecution of Jesus. Uh, John, he just quits interjecting his own sermon. Jesus knows these are some of his last words. Before he is arrested... It is the dramatic climax of everything he wanted to tell his disciples before things fell apart. People's last words carry significant weight. And here Jesus is speaking some of his last words to his disciples. Maybe you've had that moment with a friend or a family member. Uh, maybe before they moved away, maybe even before they passed away. Jesus knows what is ahead. And you can imagine the intensity with which he speaks these words and the urgency with which he wants them to be heard. He is not speaking to large crowds, but to the faithful few, even some of whom in a few hours would betray him and deny him and would scatter Today we're looking specifically at John chapter 15 at one of the last 
I am statements from Jesus. What are the I am statements? In the book of John and in the middle of these very intense times for Jesus, Jesus makes several allegorical statements throughout the book. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And ours for today is, I am the true vine. Let's read, starting in chapter, verse 1, chapter 15. I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you... You will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for a friend. You are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants because, you're, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love one another. What does it mean to be in the branches, to remain on the vine? And how do we stay connected to Jesus. Uh, he gives us some hints in chapter 14. He uses some similar language, but it's a little bit more plain. He talks about love God, obey God, keep my commands, listen to the Holy Spirit. We remain in him for what purpose? To do what? To bear fruit. And what does that mean to Bear fruit. I mean, in the evangelical church like ours, 
we think to bear fruit that that has something very specifically to do with uh, church growth, adding to his numbers, that we would just continue to grow, bear fruit. And I don't think I would speak against that, but I don't think that's the fruit I'm talking about today. Today, when I think about bearing fruit, I think of the fruits that Paul talked about in the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, fruits of the Spirit. I think Jesus was even alluding to this when he said, to sum up his sermon on this section of the last part of his words, love each other as I have loved you. So, keep the scripture in context. Like we looked before, learn what Jesus meant to remain in connected to the vine. We can look after each other. Uh, We can learn what it means to bear fruit. Summed up in the command, love one another. Not just any love, but a love that would lay down our lives for each other. Love that makes the one who would be your servant your friend. What does it look like to bear fruit? What does it look like for us to bear fruit? Uh, Let me tell another story. This is from my friends uh, Simone and Caritas. Simone and Caritas were from the country of Rwanda. They were in this French-speaking country, and they were serving there as Nazarene pastors when the genocide started in Rwanda. I won't go into the details of the genocide, but suffice it to say that it was one of the most difficult and horrible things that occurred since the Holocaust in World War II. Uh, Up to a million people were killed, and it was ethnic cleansing. The problem with Simone and Caritas in the middle of this time is that they were each a member of the opposing tribes. One was Hutu and the other was Tutsi. These were the tribes that were fighting each other. And so they had uh, mixed children, right? Simone needed to sneak his wife out of the country for her own safety and for the safety of their children. It was the Tutsis, which is what she was, that were being killed. And as they made arrangements for her to be snuck out of the country, they had a friend with a truck who hid them in their truck and was going to take them to a safe place, to a refugee camp, until it was safe for them to come home. But on that journey, the truck was stopped and Simone his wife, Caritas, was taken out with the children. And they were getting ready to, to kill her. They were abusing her. And uh, they put a machete in her hand and told her that it was her job to take care of her children. And uh, in the middle of all that, the truck driver begged and begged and begged for their freedom. And then he bribed the people that were doing this. And so eventually they let her go. 
in exchange for a significant amount of money that they could take. And they told her, we'll just, we'll get you later. So they put them in the truck and they eventually escaped. In the aftermath of the crisis in Rwanda, they had set up a war tribunal. That was where they were going to hold accountable all of the perpetrators of the injustice that was happening during the war, much like the Nuremberg trials after the Holocaust. And the people that had captured and offended Caritas had been put in jail. Uh, they had been accused by others, and there, while they were in prison in Rwanda, it works a little bit differently. In order for a prisoner to survive in a country like that, it's the prisoner's family that has to bring uh, food and supplies to the country, into the prison, so that they can eat. So what does it look like to bear fruit? What does this love look like? And here Simone and Caritas demonstrated so beautifully for us. This man, who had offended Caritas, had not family coming to assist him. And so they decided to take it upon themselves in Kigali to gather their own resources, their own food, and bring it to the man who had been uh, the perpetrator against her. And they began to uh, love and care, not just for this man in prison, but for hundreds of orphans that had now been created by the genocide. The last time I visited them, they had adopted 250 orphans. And they were caring for them as if they were their own children, as, as best they could. A uh, beautiful demonstration of God's grace, being connected to the vine, and bearing fruit for the kingdom. I think uh, if the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, what are the things that are that ornery team coming to take a bite out of those things? Right? Well, what is it that would have instilled in Simone and Caritas something that would be different than the outcome that was kingdom-oriented like they had. And we think about these things, these ornery teenagers who never did go compensate the tree farm. Selfishness? Short-temperedness? Impatience? Anxiety, what are the opposites of the fruits of the Spirit? Harshness, unkindness. So as we think about what it's like to be a community of faith, and we hear the last words of Jesus speaking to us, love one another. Stay connected to me, the vine. 
And I'm sure Pastor John could preach ten sermons about staying connected to the vine. Bear fruit. And by fruit, I don't just mean church growth. I mean fruit inside. Those things that shape our character. The way that the Holy Spirit speaks to us when he's moving us towards holiness. I think that's the kind of fruit that Jesus wants to bear in our own lives at this time. The kind of fruit that even the person who has offended you the greatest, that you could go into your kitchen, find what food and resources you have, Go to the prison. Fruit. Fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of staying connected to the vine. So, the challenge today, before I turn it back and we enter into a sacred time of communion together, is this. Love one another. Find ways to express love to each other in service, in attitude, in unity. We, the church, are a strange community brought together from many different walks of life. The opportunity to be misunderstood with each other is great. We come from very diverse backgrounds. We have very diverse ideologies. It is not our political affiliation that brings us to a church. We might even think differently. Give people the benefit of the doubt. Seek to understand one another. Find creative ways to serve one another. And let's journey together on the vine with Christ. Amen.